Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. Having said that, though, I think it is um, going to help us in compliance. And I think that's where I go back to that we need to really be looking at um, uh, legal obligations registers, risk registers in light of these increasing penalties to really say, are these issues extreme, high, mediums or low on our register? And so we might see a recalibration taking place as a result of the increase in these penalties. And that will therefore mean, I would assume, that we need to up the compliance controls that we have across the business. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor at the Australian Compliance Institute. And today we have with us once again, Bronwyn Gallisher from CCL Consultants. Welcome back to the podcast, Bronwyn. Thanks for having me. So today, it's, it's one of those interesting ones where when I reached out to you initially, I thought we were going to possibly talk about the $438 million fine that Phoenix Institute Australia sort of copped earlier this year. And then in that conversation, you sort of pointed out to me that that was under the old regime, because of the vet fee help and everything that happened there would have happened pre-November 9th, 2022. But as after November 9th, 2022, we saw the Treasury Law Amendment, uh, more competition, better prices bill pass, which would have impacted any conduct that takes place after that event. And this year we had another case, uh, which was Qantas for selling up to 8,000 seats for flights that had already been cancelled. You'd said in the previous conversation that you know, maybe they would be going after trying to get Qantas under the the new penalty regime. So I guess to start with just looking at the legislation itself, I mean, what what are the differences between the maximum penalties before and after the 9th of November 2022? Yeah, sure. So I think the um, key point to call out here is that there's been a significant increase in the civil penalty regime for competition and consumer law. I'd also call out that we have seen increases in terms of the Privacy Act as well. So some provisions increasing from the likes of 2.2 million to 50 million. Under this area of law, we've seen increases for corporations increasing from the likes of uh, 10 million to 50 million. And then if that can't be determined, there's other options for the courts, for example, working out profit that's being gained during the period of the alleged breach, and that can have a significant impact on the bottom line of corporations. Also, what we're seeing is the individual liability provisions increasing. So they've increased considerably from the likes of uh, half a million to 2.5 million. So it is really important to recognise that we're seeing the government, particularly on a federal government uh, scale, increasing civil liability for organisations and individuals. So rightfully so, like you mentioned, that previous case is under the old regime. Qantas is yet to be heard by the courts. They're starting to have initial discussions in the court, but certainly when penalty is handed down, it'll be under this uh, new regime. So that's why the ACCC, you know, may seek to seek maximum penalties out of this matter. Yeah, and and I guess it's interesting. And once that passed, we had the ACCC chair Gina Cass Gottlieb uh, sort of saying that you know that basically these maximum these higher maximum penalties might act as a strong deterrent for the breach of the ACL. But I guess the question is, do you think it is high enough to act as a deterrent, or is it kind of a wait and see to see what might happen with Qantas, for example? 
Well, I think it is a wait and see really, isn't it? Because it depends on how deep pockets are of corporate Australia. Uh, and we, when we, when, and I think it's important to recognise that the ability is there for the courts to hand down those uh, civil penalties, but whether that converts over and then um, issuing those penalties of maximums is another matter. Um, so the ability is there under the legislation for that to take place, but whether the courts deem that necessary or not is another matter. Um, and that's, I guess, where this is, will be just a bit of a, a waiting game. But Having said that, though, I think it is um, going to help us in compliance. And I think that's where I go back to that we need to really be looking at um, uh, legal obligations registers, risk registers in light of these increase in penalties to really say, are these issues extreme, high, mediums or low on our register? And so we might see a recalibration taking place as a result of the increase in these penalties. And that will therefore mean, I would assume, that we need to up the compliance controls that we have across the business uh, to make sure that we stay well away from uh, the courts in that regard. So I think this is you know, there's two messages going on, what message it sends to Corporate Australia, but more importantly, from my view, what message is it sending to compliance and risk professionals at ACI? These two cases I mentioned, sort of big cases because of the the issues that they're connected to with the, the college, connected to the vet fee help thing, which was a, a wider issue. And obviously Qantas is a, it's a massive company. But is there a sense that companies who fall under this legislation have had challenges complying with this act or are companies generally compliant? I mean, is how often do people get pinged for breaching the ACL? Well, I guess that's an important point to look at that. I mean, ultimately, if we, we look at the traditional enforcement pyramid, um, which we know about, that um, litigation is the final step in a process. And so it's really important to recognise the likes of the ACCC, but also our fair trading agencies who also administer this area of law, you know, are not running matters in the courts day in, day out. Rather, regulators are picking matters that meet their enforcement priorities, i.e. sending messages to corporate Australia about particular matters, blatant conduct, blatant disregards for matters, new areas of law. But regulators have the ability to issue court enforceable undertakings to ensure compliance. They have the ability to issue fines now. Uh, so there are other enforcement powers that regulators uh, do have, and the likes of the ACCC, Fair Trading and ASIC are clearly utilising those enforcement powers. And they can send, I think, you know, a really strong message to industries about the need for compliance. So it's really important, I think, that when we look at the messaging that we give to the business in terms of awareness, communication and training, not just to focus on those matters that are before the courts and decisions that have been handed down, but actually strip it back down and sort of say, okay, what type of court enforceable undertakings have been issued that require companies to execute compliance programs between three to five years and deliver change? What sort of fines have been handed down by uh, the regulator that don't involve the courts, for example? And that can give us a bit of an insight in terms of what's going on and hopefully then act to help upskill. Because during COVID, uh, there weren't a lot of matters that were run through the courts. And I think that's that, that's clearly um, understandable. So looking at those matters that are being dealt with by other enforcement options is is worthwhile considering. Beyond the these two cases, so there have there been other cases that you have noticed maybe coming to the ACCC or others that are sort of not as highly publicised that you think are worth members just having a look at? 
Oh, gee, the list the list always goes on with the ACCC in terms of the matters that are around. But I think what I would like to just, rather than maybe concentrating on matters, I would say one thing that's obviously the talk of the town at the moment is the ACCC's guidelines that are currently in draft form about environmental and sustainability claims. This is a high enforcement priority area for the ACCC. Uh, so it will be focusing on this moving forward. And I think it's a good opportunity for members of ACI to become familiar with the requirements under the ACL for misleading or deceptive conduct. And uh, these environmental and sustainability claims simply sit under the misleading or deceptive provisions. So they're nothing new, but what we should be recognising is that businesses now are using a lot more marketing claims involving these environmental and sustainability claims, hence why the ACCC feels the need to educate and upskill businesses to say, be wary when you're making claims, for example, have test reports that substantiate claims. Don't just use broad brush claims such as green, environmental friendly rather make sure you have the evidence to back up such claims so um, I think these guidelines are a really good opportunity if people aren't doing it now to really start communicating with their legal teams their marketing teams if they have corporate social responsibility teams people involved in buying goods and services on behalf of the business to really get these marketing claims um, right because this is going to be the high enforcement priority area for the ACCC it's also a high important enforcement priority for ASIC as well in the financial services sector and they're even having a look at individual director liability when it comes to these issues that's sort of um on the table at the moment they're considering that and so really this is this is where I think you know moving forward focus should be for our, our members to really have a really good understanding about what should or shouldn't be going on and really having a look at the compliance documents we have and making sure we're providing that appropriate support for the business in this space. Excellent well thank you so much for your time uh, Bronwyn we've come to the end of the podcast uh, just I guess before we completely block off if there's anything else that you'd like to share with uh, listeners to the podcast who are just sort of following everything that's happening trying to get it right yeah, sure. Well, I would um, say that you're not um, you're not alone, even if you're just a compliance officer, um, just the sole person in the role. Um, do connect with us at ACI. There's always opportunities to connect to um, other compliance and risk professionals, and I think it's really important um, to do that. Um, so always, you know, have a read of the materials that you the great materials you're putting out. Listen to the podcasts that um, are coming through the um, organisation, uh, and do consider enrolling in one of our courses. I think we've got obviously a number of courses that are available um, for you to upskill and it's always really important to make sure that we're always upskilling in this area given that it is uh, an important part of corporate governance within organisations and so um, obviously our courses can help parties uh, and members to um, really appreciate and understand um, the technicalities of risk and compliance in a bit more detail. Excellent, thank you so much Bronwyn. No worries, thank you. This podcast has been a production of the Australian Compliance Institute and the music was done by Rob Neary.